Hi, I'm Ollie. And I'm Kendall. And this is The Group Project. The Group Project is a podcast telling people's stories about making a difference in the world. Today, our guests are Tia Sherry and Roman Benia from the Street Trust here in Portland, Oregon. We talked to Tia and Roman about their work at the Street Trust and the Bike More Challenge. Before we get started, you can follow us on Instagram at MakeOneChange, and you could subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. Let's get started with Tia and Roman. We usually like to get started by learning a little bit about our guests. So, Tia, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be involved with the Street Trust? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having us. So, I am a native of Guam, born and raised in this beautiful tropical island uh, out in the Pacific. And bicycling um, was not something that we did as children. We swam, you know, we're born on an island and surrounded by beautiful waters. And so biking did not come very natural to me. And I left Guam and went off to look for my fame and fortune. And I'm still looking for that, by the way. (laughs) Uh, But ended, yeah, but ended up in Portland and just got swept up in the biking world here and the culture. And I was driving a car Um, occasionally taking the bus, but really was interested in what was going on with the bike culture. And it was such a, and it was called bike town. Um, So I slowly got introduced to it and along the way, got a couple bumps and bruises along the way and found myself coming from a for-profit. I came with a finance background, working for really large banks in a high level management, um, expertise, really what I was doing. Uh, But just being caught up here in Portland and the community, seeing bikes all over and deciding, well, let me go kind of check that out. Uh, At the same time, was also introduced to nonprofit world and found myself really uh, examining my life, not only getting out of my car, but I'm getting onto a bike, but also really thinking about, do I want to continue to work in this high level successful but very stressful for-profit world when Portland was all about community-based organizations. And it took me working, uh, volunteering at a local food bank to be really immersed and introduced to the nonprofit world that I made what I still think to this day the best career move of my life, which was to leave for-profit and join a nonprofit organization. And from there, just worked my way up through the development where instead of selling, you know, financial packages and products, I was selling um, mission statements and um, the missions of these nonprofits that I've worked for. So, um, yeah, that was my introduction to biking and introduction to nonprofit world. Did that transition feel um, bumpy at all? The, the tra- oh, transition yeah. from for-profit prof- to non-profit? You know, from the outside, one would really think that it was kind of bumpy, but it wasn't. At least it wasn't for me. Um, in, in banking, you know, I definitely have brought to this organization, you know, the business sense and this business mind, the left brain. So I'm fantastic with numbers organizing spreadsheets, 
speaking in lar- in front of large groups. I can do that. Uh, but those skills certainly mapped over into a nonprofit because a really good nonprofit organization uh, does run itself like a business. Um, and working in the banking world and having direct contact with individuals and corporations certainly mapped over very easily into the nonprofit world. Um, Roman, would you tell us a little bit about how you came to be working at um, the Street Trust and just a little bit about your story? Sure. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for having us uh, on, on your podcast. Uh, the, um, my, my story is, uh, is, is a little uh, long, so I'm going to try to find the, the right snippet. Uh, the, um, the job I had before I joined the Street Trust was a political campaigns job. Uh, when I uh, moved to the United States in 2008, uh, I instantly became uh, very politically active, uh, mostly on the public health campaigns, public safety campaigns, social justice campaigns. Uh, and uh, in my previous position, I was working on campaigns in uh, virtually all levels of government. Uh, and so at the end of the 2016 election, uh, I felt like it was time to take those skills and, uh, and apply them towards something uh, more local, uh, more, uh, more community-based. And um, the, the transportation uh, field is, is an interesting one to me because it's, it's a systemic issue. And so it's a system, uh, it's a system in which, uh, which impacts outcomes all across society. Uh, and so it seems like a good vector uh, to, uh, to tackle some social issues, uh, you know, from, uh, from uh, public safety crossing the street to uh, public health. Uh, people exercising, uh, in general, people having freedom of mobility and freedom of movement. Uh, accessibility is also a big issue that I care about, making sure that everybody can um, participate in city life, uh, regardless of their mobility uh, uh, ability. So, um, so yeah, it was a really nice fit, and it was, a, it was really a, a game changer for me because it allowed me to, to bring those skills I learned on national campaigns uh, and apply them towards something uh, tangible that we could see in our communities and in our neighborhoods uh, and, and connect with uh, with neighbors and, and community members with. So uh, for me, the Street Trust is a, is a, is a transition that I, that I am really grateful to have made because um, it, uh, it provides a more uh, tangible result. Um, it's, it's nice to get people elected uh, to national offices, um, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, but... Um, but it was time for me to, to sort of take it on a more local level and invest in, in the community I've been a part of for so long. What are some of the, you know, you talked about a more tangible result. What are some of the things that you've been able to see from, from the work you've been doing? So uh, one of the uh, recent victories we've had is uh, regarding a, a, a bike lane. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the neighborhood, but out on Southeast 28th and uh, Powell Boulevard, uh, is, um, uh, what is the name of the school? Uh, Grover Cleveland, uh, Cleveland High School. Um, so yeah, on, on Southeast 26th and Powell Boulevard is uh, Cleveland High School where there was a bike lane uh, which was threatened to be removed. Uh, and it was, it was planned to be removed. And so uh, it, for, for us, this was a, an opportunity to stand up for uh, safety, uh, particularly the safety of students who might be walking or biking to school. And uh, so we spoke out, and we uh, we we made some noise, and we uh, hosted a rally. Uh, incidentally, uh, it was supposed to be a sunny day. It turned out to be a, a snow day. Uh, 
<laughs> so, uh, so that was a, a very interesting rally. Um, but it, it really made a difference. And, uh, and uh, you know, the agencies uh, in charge, uh, PBOT and ODOT, uh, really heard our message and took it to heart. And as a result of our action, the bike lane will remain. Uh, so this, uh, this is uh, an example of, of a more tangible, community-based result that I've, uh, I've been grateful to be a part of. What would you say some of the factors are that contributed to, to the success of that? I think th- this victory uh, is entirely the result of uh, community members and neighbors getting together uh, to uh, raise their voices in unison and get together behind a common cause. Uh, I think if we had been just, you know, staff members and my colleagues uh, out on the street, uh, it would have been a much smaller rally and we wouldn't have made nearly as much noise. <laughs> I think what, uh, what, really, uh, what really helped was, uh, was that, you know, people from the neighborhood, parents, students, teachers, um, you know, uh, took, took to the streets and literally, uh, literally joined together to, uh, to speak out on this issue. So I think that the grassroots component was key. I think having buy-in from community members that are affected directly uh, what was the key deciding factor. Uh, anyone can write a press release uh, or a letter, uh, but leading a grassroots movement uh, is, uh, is uh, the, the more challenging part and often the more uh, key part of uh, accomplishing such victories. So to, like, this is a, a little more nuts and bolts, but, like, is that the type of thing where you or people from your organization went door to door? Or, like, how did you mobilize that grassroots campaign? So, really, word of mouth was key. Uh, we've, uh, we've got a decent following online. Uh, so, we've shared, you know, on our email list uh, and, and on social media. But, you know, we work with a variety of community partners uh, and other partner organizations uh, that, share, uh, that share the same values. So, uh, so the word spread. Uh, people told their friends, people told their, uh, their families uh, and their neighbors. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, the students at, at the high school uh, that is directly adjacent to this bike lane um, were, were also interested in participating because, uh, as it so turns out, it's one of the most dangerous intersections in the city. Uh, and I've had a parent tell me that uh, every six months or so, uh, there is a close call or worse uh, at that intersection. So uh, I think really the, the need uh, that there was for public safety uh, was the, the key driver of this. And um, people being involved in their community, um, you know, they, they heard about our effort. We, we, we publicized this as best we could, but I think it was really those human connections that, that, went, uh, that went the whole way. That's cool. So I know um, kind of on top of that bike, sa- um, or that on top of that, bike lane um i know that this month you guys are focused on the bike more challenge can you tell us a little bit about what the bike more challenge is and how it got started sure um so the bike more challenge is a fun uh friendly competition uh, for the whole month of may uh people across the state of oregon uh, log their bike trips and uh, how far they rode their bike and then um you see which team uh, has the, the most miles and uh, which team has inspired more people to, to bike. And it's, it's sort of a, of, a, of, a, of a motivator for people who, who want to ride more uh, or who want to ride but don't often uh, get the opportunity to or aren't uh, usually motivated. 
So, uh, you know, it's an opportunity at the very least to, to have fun, but also to, to win great prizes. We've, uh, we've got some great incentives for people who, who ride a certain number of, of, uh, of miles or a certain number of rides. Uh, and uh, if you ride every day uh, during the month of May, uh, you get a free raffle ticket for a $5,000 e-bike. So, uh, so we think it's a, it's a, it's a fun event. Uh, 12,000 people participated last year. Uh, they, uh, rode collectively over 1.7 million miles, wow. uh, which uh, I, I calculated is several times the circumference of the earth. <laughs> so I think, uh, I think it's, it's a tremendous, uh, opportunity to, to, uh, to build community, to, to have fun and inspire more people to take up bicycling or, you know, make it a more uh, important part of their daily lives. Yes, and unlike uh, one-time bicycling activities like the organized bike rides that are, are lovely and impactful, uh, our month-long Bike More Challenge really aims to make long-term changes in daily habits. Uh, and we know that you know you do so many days um, of the same thing; it creates a habit. And so we, you know, we have found that uh, commuters who bike to work several times during during the month that they're more likely to continue biking throughout the year. Um, so Bike More Challenge is definitely to get more people. And we are not uh, anti-car. We are one more bike. And uh, the Bike More Challenge invites the region and statewide people to have lasting behavior change and to have transportation choices that can really impact our region's emissions and improve our air quality. Have you found that people do end up sticking with it more? Do you have, like, statistics that follow that up, or do you follow up with the people who have done the challenge? Uh, we have followed up with people and really have some wonderful stories. Would you mind sharing them? I mean, we have really, through the Bike More Challenge, we're just really so honored to have been able to roll out initiatives like this and to offer this program uh, free. Uh, with the help of really generous sponsors. Um, and stories are that come rolling in are like a dad who says that he commutes to work so that he can be a role model to his three kids. Um, another story is that just uh, this week, I um, met a gentleman who had actually attended one of our commute clinics. And commute clinics is, well, we bring them out um, all over the city and we teach folks basic bike safety checks. We do, we teach rules of the road. We talk route planning, um, also strategies to how to just enjoy and have a really fun, safe, and comfortable commute. This gentleman attended one of our commute clinics last year, joined his workplace team for the Bike More Challenge, and continues to ride to this day. And he says even on the winter months when it's probably not smart to go out on his bike, he still incorporates his bike and includes transit. So he'll take the bus in or the max in and then bike what he can. Uh, but, yeah, he's been riding since last year. That's Other so cool. stories that uh, we have just earlier this week, uh, Multnomah County uh, District 4 Commissioner Lori Stegman she led a bike ride, a lunchtime bike ride with Multnomah County, and I tagged along because uh, they have a big team for Bike More Challenge. And I was really touched by the number of people that came out to ride. 
most especially by this young family who had a little girl that I would guess might be six years old. And uh, we, uh, Commissioner Stegman, led a bike ride from Multnomah County just east of the Hawthorne Bridge. We went over the Hawthorne Bridge. We went over the Tillicum Bridge. We came back on the Steel Bridge and then back on Hawthorne Bridge, and we just made this giant loop. We rode nine miles, and this little girl wanted to ride because her mom and dad were also in the Bike More Challenge. Um, So I was really proud of that, and I thought, hey, this is a cyclist um, in the making. So I knelt down, and I thanked her for coming, and I told her what a great job she, she did. And she told me that she learned how to ride a bike just a month ago oh, in wow. preparation for bike, in preparation for the bike more challenge. I said, you know what, this is the kind of story that keeps me loving my job. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have found just personally that one of the, like the, biggest obstacle for me in starting to ride my bike for commuting purposes was just like the getting out there the first time to do it um you know figuring out my route and just kind of like whenever there's that question mark of what is it going to be like um especially when you're just trying to get somewhere it can be just like it's a bigger obstacle than I think a lot of people realize um and I think one thing I like about the Bike More Challenge is that it provides a lot of support to get past that obstacle. We, um, One thing I really enjoy about biking is the camaraderie between bikers, and I think that the Bike More Challenge really represents that a lot. Um, you know, just I've experienced a lot of kindness while biking from both pedestrians and fellow bikers and, you know, looking out for each other and... Um, and it makes it a really positive way to get around the city. And during rush hour or when there's, you know, construction, I find that I often get to my destination faster than if I drove. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing is I bike with my kids and my oldest son rides his own bike now. And my younger son is, he's in a seat on mine. And there's just a lot of learning on our rides about rules of the road and how to keep safe. Um, and I was just wondering if you have any suggestions or safety guidelines and tips for people biking, and especially folks biking as a family for transportation. Yeah, you know, oftentimes we're asked, uh, especially for new commuters getting out there, or new, not even commuters, but people that are just want to take their bike out. And uh, through our commute clinics and our legal clinics and just with our tabling and outreach events and partnering with other community partners, um, the number one barrier, especially women and families, uh, to riding a bike and getting around is that they don't feel safe. Safe in that they don't know what it means to ride down a one-way street. How do you ride a bike when there's no bike lane? Um, how, when you're on a one-way, how do you make a left-hand turn? And uh, especially, like, how do I get from A to B? And uh, so we help with all of that. And one question we're asked is, well, what kind of bike do I, do I get? And we say, the bike that you have right now is all the bike you need. <laughs> Just get out there. <laughs> You know, you don't need a fancy bike. That bike that you have in the garage, just dust that thing off and, you know, put some 
lube on that chain and just get going. So pointers that, um, you know, certainly learn rules of the road, um, how to make turns, how to ride along parked cars, look out for parked cars, um, learn how not to ride on a sidewalk. And if you have to, how to do that, um, making sure that your bike is got enough air in the tires, that your brakes are working, that your helmet is fitting you properly. Uh, most especially you need to learn how to change a flat tire and you don't even know how to do it all on your own. YouTube is fantastic to learn how to change a tire. And you will find that in our wonderful city of Portland, all the bike shops offer free bike repair classes. And you don't even have to go just one time. You can go. And it took me several times going into my favorite uh, bike shop to learn again and again how to change a flat because I didn't want to get caught out there uh, and not being able to change my own flat. Having a white light uh, so that you can be seen, having a rear light so that you can be seen also, having reflect, wearing reflective gear, um, having plan B in place. So like for myself, I always have plan B, meaning I kind of know how to get to from here to where I'm going to go, but what happens if I can't change my flat? or weather, or, you know, anything really that life can throw at you, I always have plan B in place. Like, I always need to know where the fir- the next bus or max station is. I carry identification on me and a photocopy of my uh, insurance, my health insurance card. I also have in my little bike bag who to contact in case of an emergency. And I carry a little bit of cash in case I need to take ride share. Those are great tips. Um, so we have greenways here in Portland. Um, are there right of rule, right? Sorry, right of way rules for those. Like, do pedestrians and bikers do they have the right of way on those streets, or is it? Um, I guess, yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about what greenways do? Yeah. So, uh, sure. Roman, Roman, do you, you do you know? Well, I, I know that the, the entire purpose of uh, bike lanes and, and the greenways is to make sure that, that uh, vulnerable road users do have right-of-way. Uh, so, so I guess the short answer would get you, if you have a longer answer, uh, yeah, you should go for it. No, you go and then I'll go. I mean, that was, uh, that was all I had to offer, uh, oh. is that uh, the, the, the concept of those lanes is precisely to, uh, to uh, indicate a... a a right-of-way that is uh, adapted for bicyclists and pedestrians and others. Yeah, greenways are typically low traffic, uh, meaning it's friendlier for pedestrians and those on bicycles. Um, It's also designed so that there are barriers to kind of help decrease the speed of traffic, like speed bumps and... um, little islands and the roundabouts. So the greenways really is um, the friendly way for cyclists to take. And anytime you see that as a cyclist, that's, uh, that's the route you want to go. Um, they're called sharrows, meaning you share the roads um, with cars. And so, and then for people in cities that don't have greenways, um, do you have any tips on how to 
bike safely in a non-bike friendly culture or how to maybe start getting that going like um, to start creating that I think uh, just getting people out um, on bikes like I've traveled to other cities even here in our beautiful state and I ask myself oh, I wonder why there aren't more cyclists and if they don't have the infrastructure infrastructure set up for cyclists to feel safe so what's the first thing to do? I, I think it's to just get on your bike and show vis- visibly that there is um, a desire for bike biking. Also getting a hold of your elected officials, looking up uh, other transportation advocacy groups, um, start talking to your neighbors and do some grassroots community building. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Um, We have a question that we like to ask in closing, and so I'll ask it to each of you. Start with Roman and then um, end with Tia. What is one thing you would ask of your fellow human beings? What is one thing you would ask of a fellow human being? Um, Be loved. We can can take some time, Roman, to... I mean, I have a two-word answer. It's uh, be love. Uh, just uh, be love. Don't just feel love, but be it. Awesome. Love that. That's great. Tia, can you, uh, what is one thing that you would ask of your fellow human beings? I would ask that everyone exhume kindness in that we all have stuff and we all bring things to our environment, how we interact with any everyone, and to exhume and to live kindness through, you know, your body gestures, your eyes, the words you choose, the tone in your voice, and your actions. Um, to I just can't imagine, like, if you don't give out kindness, that it's not given back to you and to everyone around you. Be kind. Excellent. Well, thank you guys both for uh, being on the show today. And um, we will, uh, we can learn more about you at, uh, or at, about the Street Trust um, at your website. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having yeah, us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having us on the show. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.